Welcome to the Staying Ageless podcast, a show that will equip you with the major keys to achieve extraordinary longevity. This is your girl, the Sosa E, also known as Raw Girl. I'm a certified nutrition specialist and behavioral coach. And today on the show, we'll be talking about how to grow your own food. To get this longevity party started, I'll give you a brief rundown of why you should eat seasonally and locally and some examples of vegetables you can grow on your own. Later, we'll be chatting with our expert for today, the amazing Mariama Saray Bariwuri. I'm so grateful to have each and every one of you tuning into the show from all over the world. Shout out to listeners in the USA, the UK, Ireland, the Netherlands, Spain, South Africa, France, Germany, and much more. If today's show inspires you, I'm inviting you to go ahead and subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It means the world to me to get feedback, so any reviews are much appreciated. Hey, y'all. Hey. In case I haven't shared, in the house where I stay in Freetown, I have a garden. I also brought in some mushroom boxes that grow mushrooms indoors, and I've had a little fun with that. I grew up around farming, but I never have myself felt like I have a green thumb, mostly because I'm super busy, I'm likely to forget to tend to my plants when they need regular care, and child, I hate bugs. Child, I just hate them. (laughs) Um, We have a few different types of veggies, but one of my unexpected favorites is the mustard greens. I never tried those when shopping at a farmer's market or even a grocery store in the U.S., and I never really, you know, even considered them um, in the grocery store. Although they have a strong flavor, the fresh from the garden ones are actually super delicious in soups and other dishes. There are so many benefits of growing your own food and easing seasonally and locally. So today I want to mention a few of those benefits. First off, you're going to get more flavorful produce. Have you sunk your teeth into a freshly plucked tomato from a local garden? Child, it's the best thing ever. The sweet and juicy taste is unmatched. Local and seasonal produce just tastes better. This is because when you grow your vegetables or other produce, you wait for them to ripen and you use and you use them right there in your kitchen. Produce transported to grocery stores are chilled during transportation and then sometimes heated again before they end up on the shelves. This can affect their nutritional density. And um, sometimes they even use things to obviously make them appear riper than they are. Obviously, sometimes they pluck them before they actually are ripe. This helps to keep the produce actually last longer on the shelf. So growing your own food allows you to experiment and get all the nutrients without losing some to rigorous processing. The other thing is that there's an absence of chemicals. Usually when you grow your own food, you are in control of what is added to it. You can avoid harsh fertilizers and pesticides if you desire. You can also use natural methods to grow your food and avoid pests. Some farmers have to experiment with the varieties of plants that grow next to each other and include some species that ward off all the pests and bugs and things that are going to destroy the plants. Many of the chemicals added to produce, whether to ripen them or for pest control, have harsh side effects to our bodies that are often overlooked. The most heavily utilized pesticide in the United States, Roundup, actually acts like an antibiotic in your gut and can get rid of your good bacteria. So it's really important to... Eat organic when possible, which also reduces your pesticide load. But the coolest part is if you're growing your own food, obviously you control the pesticide load. You're also going to have less food waste. Many of us are guilty of overbuying fruits and vegetables and then leaving them to rot when they're in excess. When you have a garden, you can use the scraps from your kitchen in your garden and create your own eco-friendly waste system that's good for your plants 
and for the environment. It also costs less, child. Having your own garden, especially if it's fruitful, saves you the money you would normally spend when doing your weekly shopping at the grocery store. Organic seed packets cost less than organic produce found in stores and even at farmer's markets. Although you may need to grab some tools, your overall cost when creating a small-scale garden remain very, very reasonable. You're also sure of what you're eating. When you grow your own plants, you know exactly what went into the food you're eating, child. That, in this world full of additives, preservatives, and questionable labels, is priceless. You also get seasonal nutritional needs met when you eat from nature and grow your own food. Nature really does know best. Nature offers us produce during specific seasons that complement what we may need nutritionally to be at our best. In the winter, we may need citrus, fruits, and vegetables high in vitamin C. We also, which obviously are helpful for boosting our immunity and also preventing flu and cold, which is very common during that time. And summer foods provide us with extra beta carotene and other carotenoids that help protect us against sun damage. If you're in a tropical climate, you also have the benefit of being able to grow a wide variety of plants all year long, which is also very, very exciting. So let's say you're sold on this idea of growing your own food. Maybe you've thought about it for a while, but you've taken no action yet. If you want to keep it simple, think about what you eat often and enjoy first. There are a few vegetables you can begin to grow and incorporate into your meals, such as carrots, spring onions, leeks, regular onions, celery, bok choy, lettuce, beets, sweet potatoes, tomatoes, and herbs like basil, rosemary, and others. If vegetables are too daunting, start even smaller and just focus on selecting your favorite herbs. So I mentioned basil and rosemary, but you know whatever favorite herbs you have that you know you enjoy adding to dishes and only do those. There are some things that you can also just grow just by using the waste from your dinner. Spring onions, anyone? You can actually cut the bulbs of the spring onion and replant them to start your own spring onion crop. To start your home garden, the first step is to decide what you like to grow and determine which plants will grow best. If you have fellow gardeners in your area, you can ask around about crops that do well and those that don't. Next, you want to choose your location for your garden, consider sunlight, shade, and also how you plan to water your garden. Plan your garden beds and ensure to space them out so your crops can grow properly. And if you're in a confined space, it's totally okay. Even if you're in an apartment, find a space or a way to grow indoors, in your backyard if you have one, or even on your balcony. You can get some basic garden tools like a rake, shovels, and hand tools, but don't get too fancy. After testing your soil, you can begin planting and nurturing your crops. Many seed packets actually come with instructions, so you could just follow those to take proper care of your crops. And the final step after tending to your garden is to obviously enjoy your harvest trial. I would love to hear if any of you grow your own food. So feel free to message me on IG at The Raw Girl or on my website, therawgirl.com, and let me know what you have in your home garden. All right, we're going to take a short break. And when we come back, we'll chat with our awesome guest for today. So stay tuned. I am super excited to announce the launch of the new destination I created for online programs called Staying Ageless University. At Staying Ageless University, we create epic content to teach you about holistic wellness and transformational healing programs to help you achieve extraordinary longevity. We believe that learning is an essential component of healing and creating lasting change, and every one of our programs are created from protocols that I have tried and tested on clients who have achieved optimal wellness by following them. 
Our signature programs include Staying Ages 30 Plus, which is designed to help women 30 plus interested in staying fly till you're 99 or close to it, create lasting healthy rituals, and the all new Raw Girls Hormonal Balancing Academy for women suffering with fibroids, PCOS, endometriosis, cysts, or menopausal symptoms. If you're ready to use holistic means to take control of your hormones and get your life back. We also have two new programs that are amazing for New Year's clean starts, Detox Your Life, which includes 30-day plant-based detox, either raw or vegan, and Candida and Parasites Be Gone for those who are ready to kick Candida overgrowth or parasites to the curb for good. Enrollment is now open for three of our programs, and we officially launched January 1st, 2021. You can learn more about us and our program offerings at stayingagelessuniversity.com. Hope to see you in class. When I lived in LA, I was at the beach all of the time. (laughs) The beach was my happy place. After going to the beach, I would always stop by this amazing raw food restaurant. They had the most delicious food, burritos, cinnamon rolls. I was obsessed. Fast forward to this year when I wanted to give myself a jumpstart on raw, I discovered that this amazing restaurant that I used to frequent had transitioned to nationwide delivery of fully prepared raw meals. It's called Raw Evolution, and for 20 years, they've been serving the finest and most vibrant Living Foods meals. They offer a raw box, which includes two fresh pressed juices, four gourmet entrees, four generous sides, and two delicious low glycemic desserts. The raw box is designed to provide one person with about four to five days of lunches and dinners. I also love that the menu changes each week, so there's always lots of variety. I get a lot of inquiries from listeners and clients alike who want to go raw and feel like it's not sustainable time-wise. If this is you, this is an amazing solution to get your raw jumpstart. Head on over to rawvolution.com and use the code RAWGIRL to receive a discount on your first purchase. Mariama Saray Bari Rory is an agriculturalist with over 10 years of experience in both the public and private sectors. She has experience in delivery, project management, and agribusiness. Her drive and passion stem from her desire to see a transformed agricultural sector for improved livelihoods. Mariama is also an agripreneur and a co owner of Jaima Farms based in Freetown, Sierra Leone. She holds a master's degree in agriculture and development from the University of Reading. Good afternoon, Mariama. I'm so excited to have you on Staying Ageless. Thanks so much for joining me. Thanks, Isosa. It's also a pleasure being here. Um, yeah, finally, we got the time to talk. So I really know. good to be on here. I know. I'm so glad you're here. So I like even when I first met you and you told me you were an agriculturist, I was like, super cool. First of all, I never met one. Um, <laughs> what? No, I've never met. I've never met an agriculturalist, but I feel like it's such an important thing. My mother is a farmer, um, like just kind of like a hobbyist, I guess. She always had very large barns when we were growing up in a house, and so I was right. used to going out to pick my vegetables and all that. And that's something that's been a part of my life because I'm also very into health. So I'm always eating organic. Or I live in the U.S. I live by a farmers market, so I was like, oh my god, this is so cool. How can you give us a little, um, I guess, the abridged version of how you even went down that path towards becoming an agriculturalist? Yeah, so um, first of all, I think I the reason why I kind of decided to study agriculture in the first place was that at the back of my mind, 
I always wanted to be self-employed and not depend um, entirely on someone to give me a job. Um, Mm -hmm. So I think that sort of like gave me the right drive um, when I was finishing high school and trying to decide on what I was going to study. So um, that was really a big reason. Um, Fast forward, graduated from uni uh, with a Bachelor in Agricultural Sciences um, from Nigeria and decided to come back home. And I went right into the job market. And okay. I started off working with, you know, our international organization, the Food Agriculture Organization of the UN. Worked there for about five years. Afterwards, went worked for government. And um, yeah, so worked quite a bit for, for government and um, intergovernmental organizations. But I also never left so like lost touch with farmers so like really Mm -hmm. understanding what the issues are um you know what they can do better from you know that's very high end um um position then in 2018 an uncle of mine was selling a small plot of land and said hey i i want to sell this piece of land and i think it'll be really good for you guys you know you love farming and um, my husband and myself decided to buy it. And um, hmm. two years after that, I think in 2018, finally, we decided to start um, using the land. And um, then it was just, you know, just produce something, right? Um, so we just started mm-hmm. producing pepper. Um, so it's just, it wasn't a very serious business at that time. It was just doing farming as normal. Mm-hmm. Um, excuse me. So yeah, just practicing farming, just like a normal thing. Um, it wasn't really a business in that time until last year. No, in 2019, I think is when we said, you know what, we've tried several things. We really need to, and we've invested quite a bit of resources on the farm. We really need to focus and give this business some time and really treat it as a business. Um, so that's when, you know, I went to full blown, so like farming in of vegetables and, um, you know, also started a coconut plantation in my village. We've got about um, 15 oh, acres cool. currently um, planted with coconut. Um, and also a few years back, I think that was four years ago, bought some cows. So I've always really been interested in agriculture. I've always loved, I've loved plants. So I think it, it was always in me and while growing up probably started from there as well my mom used to rear some some sheep and goats and I remember just across my house my mom also had um, uh, a groundnut farm where people come and work and also a rice farm so I, I kind of grew up knowing that but really not knowing <laughs> but I kind of grew up I saw that my dad was a medical doctor but it's just something they used to do so um, yeah, in a nutshell, I think that's that's how you know I came about doing ag and actually practicing it as as um, as a job or as a career. Super cool, super cool. Um, hmm. Well, right now, like I think a lot of people are. I mean, the, the cost of food is going up and people are getting a little concerned about, oh my God, what are we going <laughs> to, especially I think about yeah. the United States and I'm like, if there is a food problem, people are going to have a major problem, mostly because there's so little agriculture that occurs there now. Um, if someone was thinking about starting a garden, 
like on their own? Like, where do you feel is the best place to start, especially if they're a beginner and they feel overwhelmed by the idea of growing anything? Yeah. You know, it's also, this problem is global. <laughs> um, unfortunately, it's it's everywhere. If you listen to the news in, in Nigeria, in Ghana, it's it's everywhere. It's just that it's it's worse in some places than others. I mean, in Sierra Leone, we're also talking about the same thing, right? Where the prices have gone up um, like mm-hmm. two, three folds. Um, mm-hmm. What were the prices last week? You go to the market today, the prices have really soared. So it's, mm-hmm. it's something that's going around, really. It's a global phenomenon. And um, right now, there is something we can do about it. So really coming down to your question, how do we start, is starting from our backyard. Most times, what we complain about, especially for people living in urban areas, is, oh, we don't have the, like, the, the piece of land. Oh, we right. don't know how to go about it. Or, oh, I don't have the funding. But you know what? I always say, even as a farmer on my farm, you always start small. Start small. It doesn't Mm -hmm. have to be big. So let's say there's a few things that one can do. One, you can have a little bed in your yard. If you have a yard, you can do a bed, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But if you don't have that, you can plant in boxes. You can plant in sacks. Mm. You have things that you call sack farming. You can plant in like old rice bags. So pretty much you can plant in tires, use tires. Um, so you can pretty much, in terms of the medium, you can plant anywhere. So once you've kind of realized that, okay, fine, this is what I want to do for my family's consumption, you just need to choose one of those media. And then next thing is to get um, the quality seeds. So mm-hmm. most times when people decide to plant, it's mostly for food security for your household. So you think right. about our local veggies in Sierra Leone, like our crane cranes, our cassava leaves and our potato leaves, right? So yeah. um, just just get started, but get started small. Do not allow space to be a problem because it's not. You can get an old bucket and fill it up with soil and chicken dung and start planting. Um, just get the seeds from one of the agro dealers in town and start planting. Chicken dung is a really good fertilizer and manure for your plants. You can also make compost mm. from your house, from your kitchen. Um, so there are so many innovative and smart ways we can start farming so that we'll be able to feed our families, especially with things going up constantly. Basic, basic things are so expensive in the market. So yeah. um and we're going to have very little money as you know as time goes up with the increase in price of fuel and and everything else on our diet so if we really really want to ensure food security we also have to start looking in what right mm-hmm. how do we start producing for our households and also as a nation i always say how do we increase and improve on our value chain systems because during coronavirus what we also noticed in Sierra Leone is because we, we had a very broken um, food transportation system. There were lots of constraints where, one, the farmers suffered a lot through the loss of, you know, post-harvest losses from their fresh veggies mm-hmm. and other things because mm-hmm. foodstuff was not coming from the provinces to Freetown. That's one. But also we had lost, um, less food in country because there was no import from Guinea. That period for me was wow. supposed to be also a period of awakening for us as a nation and as a people to really say, you know what, we really need to start being food um, self-sufficient. You mentioned the same problem as the U.S., right? I mean, I think when you look at the U.S., you're probably 
a lot better um, in terms of food security than Sierra Leone because um, as much as not every part of your country would be food secure, but um, you still have loads and tons of farmers. We're, we're not there yet. We're trying, um, mm-hmm. but not there yet. So in a nutshell, I would say start. Start with what mm-hmm. you have. Get soil, um, get a bucket, get an old tire. These are things around. Get a wooden box, get or just make a small bed in your yard. Get the seeds, start planting. You don't need to even buy the expensive fertilizer because fertilizer has also gone up like 100% from last year to this year. Last week, I just went to wow. get some fertilizer for my farm and um, it's it's almost doubled already um, from last year to now. And the war in Russia and Ukraine also have an effect on that. Um, yeah. So, but we can still farm in innovative ways. So for me, my advice is start small, start anyways, and you would learn from the process. No, that's, that's good. Um, hmm. um, like for me starting small right now, well, we have a garden outside here in Sierra Leone. I don't grow in the U S I usually get my food from farmer's markets when I'm in the U S but I actually brought this really cute mushroom <laughs> grower box and I've been growing mushrooms like in the kitchen. So that's been fun. Um, just because they don't, I, yeah, I that's interesting. And it can. feels good as well to see. Yeah. yeah and I no, think it's, it's really it's, fulfilling to sort of like know that, oh, you know what? I grew this. I know what's in there. It's not crap. <laughs> I know yeah. exactly where it's from, what I put in there. And I know that what I'm consuming is really good for my body and for my family. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I think, you know, no, that's totally. also good. So that's also a motivation, you know, and it's yeah. also very, um peaceful i would say um farming is is also very peaceful um practice for me it gives me a lot of peace you know um it's sort of like just putting seed in the in the soil and just seeing it grow you know um it's just it's 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 wonderful so i think more people should try it to be honest no, I hear you. Is there a way to deal or to improve the nutrient quality of the soil? Is that even an issue in Africa? I don't know. I'm assuming that Africa has very nutrient dense soil, comparatively speaking, but I'm not sure. Um, what are your thoughts on that? To improve, sorry, I improving the nutrient quality of soil. You were talking about fertilizers and chicken dung, ah. and so sure. Um... Soy, pretty much, it's like garbage in, garbage out, right? Um, mm. Simply put. And um, for my farm, for instance, what we noticed is that our soil was very sandy um, mm. two years ago. And what that meant is we were using lots of fertilizer. And mm-hmm. I said to myself, you know what, Mariama, this is not the type of farm that you would like to do. This is not how you want to feed people. Um, This is not how you want to feed the earth. And Mm -hmm. what we started doing was to use more manure, chicken dung. And I tell you what that meant is it improved the organic um, content of the soil a lot. Say like 70% improvement was seen in the soil, but also what it gave back through my harvest last year was amazing. So oh, wow. the the staff at the farm said, you know what? We've noticed such a big difference. 
Um, and when you look around the other farms, like, how did you do it? How come your soil is producing so much? We have used the same soil years back and it didn't give us this output. How are you guys doing it? So um, we have invested quite a bit on use of organic manure and it doesn't just have to be chicken. So a few examples here could be chicken dung, you could use um, sheep, you could use goat dung. Um, so those are a few of the ones that, and cow dung as well. Those are the four main ones that you can use. And also scraps from your kitchen. You can use that to regain your soil fertility. You can use um, banana peels. You can use oranges. You can allow this to decompose as well. Or for instance, right. if you have... Um, rotting veggies that you know you just know that you just left outside it's not rotten from disease infestation but it's just rotten because you've not used it you can put that back into the soil right so those are hmm. little things that one can do to sort of like um regain soil fertility and you can practice okay. that in your home as well um you also have other options of using organic already prepared fertilizer for instance there's this really good one here um, mm -hmm. few, two good ones that I know about, you have DI grow, you have mm -hmm. also Enviralizer. These are organic fertilizers that you can also use for your plants. Um, okay. it has no environmental effect. It has no effect on, you know, the human body. So these are really good ones as well. So but start with what you have. Farming is, it is expensive. I would say, you know, it's a lot of resources, especially if you want to do it at a large scale, but it's not impossible. Um, if you have like a small chicken coop, just go get a small, if you want to do it in your house, it doesn't have to really be expensive, to be honest. And what people also use is, um, you know, the sawdust from mm -hmm. the, um, the carpentry shops, they mm -hmm. use that as well. But the only problem is that you need to know the quality of the wood, right? You don't want to import more chemicals into your garden. So, um, but then there, there are a few options around really that one can use. I never really quite understood why the need to compost and do all these things, but I understand that from a nutritional perspective, as a nutritionist, the better my soil quality is, the more nutrient dense my food is going to be. Um, but the soil, basically, from your perspective, it absorbs, right? So you're basically trying to add more nutrients to it while you're um, to prepare to grow things. Is that correct? Yes, that is correct. Um, and this is why as well, um, there's this new way of farming where people look at crop farming, right? I mean, sorry, crop rotation, where, for mm -hmm. instance, you rotate your crops on your farm um, season by season. What this does is, one, it helps with um, your soil quality, helps mm -hmm. to um, minimize the use of pesticides and harbicides mm -hmm. and other agrochemicals on your garden. So mm -hmm. um, pretty much the, the soil is what feeds the plant. And this is why we have all of these different fertilizers, you know, being added to the soil so they can give the plants food to eat so they can go big. So definitely, um, um, simply put, what you put in the soil is what you get through the plant. Ah, uh, okay. That makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. Speaking of pesticides, do you use pesticides mm -hmm. or herbicides on your farm? And, and how do you feel about them? Or what's the best way to get around it? I, in the States, they're using very, very heavy 
pesticides and uh, some of those have health effects as well. So I I know it's important to people. Yeah. Yeah. So my farm is not hundred percent organic, um, unfortunately. Um, so, but what we do is we do use pesticides. So yes, your answer, but what Mm -hmm. we try to do for instance is like our leafy veggies. Um, so like our spinach, our kale, um, our salads that we grow, we really try mm-hmm. to minimize the use of pesticides on them, except extremely, extremely, extremely expensive. So um, we also try to grow them in greenhouses. So we have a greenhouse where we grow most of our okay. leafy vegetables. So that already automatically reduces it, reduces the use of pesticides by 70%, right? Oh, wow. So um, those are some of the ways that we're doing while we also do um, practices or practice um, other ways, sort of like we're experimenting to look at other ways to be um, more organic, especially with those ones that are not going to be prepared before meals. I mean, um, so that's one. Two, um, we also obey as much as possible all the time, really not even as much as possible. We always make sure that once we apply a, a chemical, a pesticide on our plants, we make sure that we wait for the required number of days. For instance, you would say you have to wait for about two weeks before you harvest it. So we make sure that those um, regulations are obeyed, right? To, to right. ensure that you have no residue in your plants. Um, so, but I think the key thing here really is how do we minimize the use of pesticides? On our plants, um, there are mm-hmm. lots of pests and diseases, um, unfortunately, um, within the sector, within the space. Um, mm-hmm. But we try to minimize that one through the use of our spring houses, which minimizes mm-hmm. the use of um, the, the pest, the attack of pests sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, but then secondly, as well, even when we have to apply these pesticides, make sure that there are no residues left and they're safe for consumption. We teach our staff okay. that. Once you, this is how you apply, one, the quantity that you put in is important. Mm-hmm. So no indiscriminate application is allowed. Even okay. for they themselves, I tell them you have to, one, take care of yourself, but also the client. So one, for instance, how you dress is very important. Um, two, the quantity that you apply is also very important because you don't want to kill people, right? I was like, these things can also eventually lead to cancer if they're not done properly. So I also tell my staff that these are the risk um, okay. if you don't do things properly. So, um, okay. yeah, so that's that's what we do on our farm. Okay. While we still what experiment you- as well to see, for instance, what can we plant with our spinach and kale to prevent um, a type of pest? For instance, we, we noticed that when we intercrop uh, rocket lettuce mm-hmm. and kale, we have mm-hmm. less pest issues on the kale. So huh, it has a pungent smell. It kind of releases. It has a really strong smell. It releases that prevents um, pests to go on the kale, right? Okay. So we try to do that now as much as possible. For instance, some people also use onions. So we're really looking at innovative ways. You use garlic, for instance, in your soil. Uh, yeah. So these are innovative ways that we also try to reduce the use of pesticides. Love it. What are your favorite crops to cultivate and and what are all the crops that you're currently cultivating on your farm? So currently on our farms, we do hot chili peppers. Mm-hmm. Um, so 80% of our farm is hot chili peppers. We also do um, 
pill, buttered pill. We do spinach mm -hmm. and we do a little bit of rocket lettuce. We had issues with that because um, we did we run out of seeds in country. So people mm -hmm. were asking for it. But anyways, we're still trying to source some seeds from outside in Kenya or so. Uh, but yeah, those are the main crops that we're growing now. This year, okay. we're also going to diversify into a few other crops. So um, we're looking forward to that. So exciting times for our clients um, because okay. people are always asking, so what else do you grow? What else do you grow? We right. really wanted to master the arts of growing those few crops first <laughs> right. before right. venturing into other crops. So this year, we're going to add a few more crops on the ones on the list that I already mentioned. That's awesome. That is super awesome. I will be um, subscribing. <laughs> um, so how do people yeah, find you? Yeah, yes, I have to look in that. How do people find you guys online? Oh, yeah. It's Jaima, right? Jaima Farm. Yes. So online, we use two main um, candles. So we have the Instagram. So it's Jaima, J-A-I-I-M-A dot S-L. So as mm -hmm. jaima.sl on Instagram and on Facebook, we're Jaima Farms. So um, awesome. those are the two um, places where you can find us. And they have our contact details um, in case you want to reach out to us as well. And, oh, I, I didn't mention besides the veggies, we also do some really nice, yummy, hot um, chili, hot sauces. Our Jaima hot sauces, they come in four different flavors. So we have the plain, we have the lemon, the ginger, and the garlic. Um, mm -hmm. We're in about 20 outlets in Freetown. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, and um, we've been in that. We started producing those, I think it's about a year now. Yeah. Okay, awesome. Last, last question. What are some things that you think need to be done in Sierra Leone in particular and also Africa as a whole to improve food production? I know that's a really big question, but <laughs> I couldn't let you go without asking that question. Yeah. Yeah. So sort of like, this is what they call like the very wicked, wicked problem, which yeah. you know, has so many um, solutions. But anyways, we can, we can really put that simply one, I, I always say is the start is to be strategic and it's one for me to transform the agriculture sector in Sierra Leone and in Africa to so really look at the entire value chain. So have a value chain approach. So what that means is production, processing, mm -hmm. um, transformation, which is processing and then marketing, right? Right. Um, so I have that in mind. One in production, what would you need? We need to have improved seeds. That's a big problem, especially in Sierra Leone. Um, we're okay. importing almost all of our seeds. I think our our research institute only sort of like focuses on rice and maybe on cassava and sweet potatoes, but they're not even readily available in the market. Um, wow. So we need to do a lot of work in research. Research and use, so not just research and have it say, oh, we're producing this number of varieties, but also having it, making sure it's accessible. So one, for me, that's that's very important. Um, one, get the right input. Quality varieties need to be produced by research institutes because most of our seeds have been imported. Two, right. other inputs. We need to look at innovative and smart ways of farming. So if you choose to do um, other types of farming, that's um, inorganic type of farming 
then we need to make sure we have our agrochemicals or our fertilizer or pesticides and the herbicides available for those that want to use it. Because those right. that do not want to use that organic farming, what are the options that we have? How do we really teach people to grow organically? Right. Um, and then um, next, we have over 35% of um, our crops are lost mm-hmm. because harvest losses. We need to mm. tackle that. Farmers mm. farm because they want to make money. So we right. need to tackle the post harvest losses in almost all the value chains in the country. So how do we start working on that? How do we put systems and infrastructures in place to ensure that these are worked upon? And then beyond that, what are the markets? How do we give market information one to our farmers? How do we make our products as, as business people, right? How do we make our right. products um, competitive? So, for instance, I said we're doing hot sauces, right? How are we mm-hmm. able, how are we going to ensure that we're being competitive with products such as uh, Fernando's hot sauce or the Tabasco right. hot sauce? I want to have my products in the supermarket and have people want to buy it. So that comes also with packaging and labeling. So this is exactly why I said a value chain approach is crucial and critical at this point in time. And we as entrepreneurs, as agriculturists, as business people need to we need to treat agriculture as a business. It's not business as usual. It's not business as usual, but it's business to make money. It's business to put food on the table. We need to change mm-hmm. the way we do things. So I think that's mm-hmm. what I was saying in a nutshell for Sierra Leone, but also this extends to other African countries because they are also facing the same problem differently, but these are the core problems as well. And skill right. up, skill up, skill up, skill up. We need to educate ourselves on different things that we'd like to do. Um, if you want right. to go into some crop farming, learn about it. If you want to go into livestock farming, learn about it. Don't just go into it blindly. We need to get our finances right. We need to, and then, you know, so everyone has a role to play government. What are the policies that you're actually putting in place to make sure that farming and agribusiness is favorable for um, the entrepreneurs? Right. Yeah. It's not just to talk, but actually to have them on paper, yeah. but actually being implemented. So there are different things. Everyone has a role to play, really. Um, so I would say in a nutshell, this is what I would say. And digitization, yeah. how we're bringing about um, digital digitalization into agriculture to improve on our practices. How And it comes in different facets. Like how do we improve crop production and productivity using digitalization using digital tools um Mm -hmm. so or processing and marketing so there's so many opportunities out there that we can explore um that we need to look into to improve on the ag sector in in Sierra Leone and in other African countries yeah no that makes sense to me that agreed I, I think um from my perspective I would I would hope as well that I think that African countries all of them need to prioritize agriculture and maximizing the land they have, yeah. maximizing producing, especially, you know, things that grow really well in their country. And then we need to trade with each other. I think that Africa actually has an opportunity yeah. right now as the world gets more food insecure because we have the soil that everyone wants, honestly. We have land that everyone wants. <laughs> I um, so I think there's a huge opportunity. Yeah. And if government got serious they could very much support but i think i think you're right i think that 
you know, one thing that is, is, you know, there's a lot of things that can be disheartening, but I think that one thing that does give me hope is that there are a lot of entrepreneurs out there just making it happen, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) and sometimes it takes entrepreneurship to drive policy. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I really appreciate your time today. Yeah, yes. just, I really like the, the fact that you also, also mentioned the fact that we're supposed to really improve on trade among ourselves in yes. African countries because it's crucial. Um, I was yes. listening to, to um, someone uh, about a couple of months ago and she said that trading among ourselves is as low as 18%. If you compare trading bet- between... Um, Asian countries, it's as high as 80%. In Europe, I think it's as high as about 70%. For Africa, just 18 to 20%. We have a lot of work to do. We'd rather bring in imported um, goods from Europe and America and Asia, but we are not going to support each other. Um, So we need to do better. We need to do better um, in that that area as well. So I totally agree with you. Awesome. You're the bomb.com. Thank you so much. I love your kale. Everyone go check them out. Jaima Farms. (laughs) Um, Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate you. Are you interested in living your best, healthiest life? I'm Asosa E, also known as The Raw Girl of therawgirl.com. And I'm a certified nutrition specialist and behavioral coach who specializes in helping you discover what exercise and diet is best for your body and get to the root cause and rebalance if you have a serious chronic condition. Clients who've worked with me have reversed diabetes, hypertension, balanced hormonally, gotten rid of acne for good, and lost hundreds of pounds. If you are interested in reaching your health goals with some support this year, Visit therawgirl.com to sign up for a 20-minute call with yours truly. Until then, stay healthy and happy. All right, all right. It is time to take a question from Instagram or email. Remember, if you would like to have your question answered on the show, all you got to do is send me a DM, slide up in my DMs on Instagram at therawgirl, or contact me via my website, therawgirl.com. Today's question is from Brianna via Instagram, who says, what are the top three nutritional tips you give to people often? Hi, Brianna. Hmm, that's really tough, but a really great question. (laughs) I think the tips that get repeated often are usually actually the simplest ones. Um, So many people undervalue or neglect the role of sleep in their healing journey. So ensuring that clients are getting enough sleep, prioritizing their sleep is huge, and it comes up with a lot of my clients. The other one is drinking adequate water or at least half the body weight in fluids. Again, hydration is hugely underrated. Um, I can't tell you the number of clients with constipation, fatigue, hypertension, dull skin, and much more that is mostly attributed to the fact that they don't drink enough water. And the last thing that comes to mind as a tip that comes up really often is having an active daily way to manage stress successfully. My clients are really important women. They're busy. They tend to be overachievers, but then they neglect their health and they have mounting stress and pressure daily that needs an outlet. Stress kills. So we all need something we can do every single day to calm our nerves and keep us out of fight or flight. That could be anything from meditation, prayer, taking walks in nature, Tai Chi, Qigong, yoga, all that good stuff. So I hope you find something and I hope that these top three tips actually help you. 
All right, all right. That's all she wrote for today's show. I hope you have learned something new today and you begin to grow your own food. Even if it's just starting with a really small garden, not only for the many health benefits that come with this, but also for saving you a little moolah in the long run. (laughs) Ron Finley said that growing your own food is like printing your own money. So I hope you start that garden today, sis, and secure that bag. Don't feel pressured to do the most. Sometimes the simpler, the better to start. Well, that's all for today, sis. If you're looking for more health tips or have a question for the show, find me on Instagram at therawgirl. You can also find me and contact me through my website, therawgirl.com. For more on the show or to listen to past episodes, visit stayingagelessshow.com. 